Oh, wait, but they wouldn't play. Wait. They're not on the same side. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in of the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. We're just uh, talking about favorites in the East. Huh? Like, just in the East right now. Yeah, who's your top three teams to make it out of the East? Welcome to the Coast to Coast Podcast. We are back here for episode six. It's actually kind of crazy to think that we're six episodes in now. Uh, I'm your host, Kyle Creasy. I'm here with my co-host, Tommy Smith. Blake Clark is hopefully joining us soon. And today we have a guest, a very good friend of mine, Angel Solaire. Guys, Angel, uh, if you've listened to our older episodes, you know some of these guys I've met whenever I transfer schools. Angel happens to be another one of those. I met I met Angel whenever I was about 17 years old, 16, 17, somewhere in there. And uh, we had a class together and just ended up staying in touch ever since then. We ran track together, been around the same group of friends. We hang out a lot. So very happy to have Angel today. Uh, we're obviously going to talk about, in my opinion, what's the best sporting time of the year right now. we got the NBA playoffs. Um, super excited for tomorrow. If you're listening today, it's Friday. Um, so super excited for tomorrow. The playoffs start. feels like it's been a long time coming. But before that, we're going to we're gonna react to some of the awards. As you guys know, we did like an award show last week. But um, I know awards aren't necessarily official. But we have kind of like there's a spreadsheet that somebody out there, I don't know who, but shout out to them, is keeping track of every voter as soon as they submit who, they're, who they picked. So if they come out verbally or if they tell somebody who their award pick is, this guy's tracking it on a spreadsheet. <laughs> so, so it's out there so you can kind of see as the votes come in who's probably going to win. We're going to touch on who has the most to prove in the playoffs. We're going to talk about the play-in a little bit. We're going to talk about um, what we're looking forward to, uh, who, may, who might be on upset watch. And then we're going to dive into every series individually. And at the end, we're going to get just kind of give you guys some of our favorites and maybe a dark horse or two. So with all that being said, you know, we'll get straight into it. But first, Angel, I just want you to introduce yourself a little bit and just tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Again, thanks for coming on, man. Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, like, like you said, my name is Angel. I've been Kyle's friend. Golly, it's been some years now. That's crazy to say in itself. <laughs> and I know Tommy through Kyle. And they both can uh, they both can confirm I am the best uh, logo uh, player oh by far, <laughs> by far. Uh, anyways, I go to University of Tennessee Knoxville. Uh, I'm a junior. I major in civil engineering. But back to basketball stuff. I'm a huge Miami Heat fan. Might be the biggest Miami Heat fan in the state of Tennessee. Might be the biggest Miami Heat fan in the southeast. You know that's up for debate. Uh, they, and especially D Wade have brought my love for basketball to like the level that it is today, but to give credit to someone else, it's like 2010s Spurs. It's like the best brand of basketball team basketball to play. That one got me real into it as well. And, uh, yeah, biggest heat fan on the planet. Uh, best logo player. Big friend guy, and yeah, yeah, that's about it, man. That's about it. Any any particular favorite NBA moment? Um, yes, I was actually 
on in the stadium for Ray Allen's shot. So that's my longtime favorite, and that will always be my favorite. I can't get a better moment than that. I wanted to ask you that because I knew that you were at that game. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would pay my life's earnings to experience that one more time. <laughs> one more time. Yeah, but Angel, thanks, man. We really do appreciate it. Guys, we got a good one. It's a lot to cover. But first, we just want to touch on, it's like I said, that spreadsheet, guys are tracking awards. So I just wanted to kind of react to these. So first off, the big one. Jokic is crushing the MVP voting right now. Like, it's it's not close. And, I mean, there's there's still a good amount of votes to come in, but the way that it's trending, I think he's – I think, yeah. like, almost 50 first-place votes have been submitted. Jokic has, like, 38 of them. So, are, yeah, I, are you guys – does that, like, surprise you guys? Uh, honestly, not really. I – I felt like that, like seeing everything like on Twitter, whatever you're looking at, tried to make the race seem closer than what it would be. But I figured that Jokic would run away with the award at the end. And I figured it'd just be a fight for a second between Joel and Giannis. TK? Yeah. Um, so, personally, I, I mean, he should win it. His numbers say it. Um, but the. Uh, I have a little bit of fatigue with him, so I would have gave it to Embiid, but uh, but yeah, Joe, uh, Jokic definitely deserves it. Fatigue after one? Fatigue after one. I'm sick of these sick of these two in a row, three in a row type type deals. <laughs> this is what we're setting them up for: three in a row. <laughs> I I will say I'm not very surprised. I he ended up being my winner. I did say that I didn't care somebody picked him, Peter Giannis, but I felt like a lot of people were in the same position I was in and yeah. making the decision. So I'm really not that shocked. Obviously, six man of the year, every vote, every first place vote has been Tyler Hero expected. Yeah. Um, I'll be shocked if that's not unanimous like we touched on in the previous pod. But yeah, he's going to win. doesn't matter. Um, defensive player of the year, this one kind of shocked me. I'm not going to lie. Uh Seems like it's going to be Marcus Smart. No, that 100% shocked me. I for sure did not think it was going to go to him. I thought it was going to be like Mikel Bridges or like another Go Bear winner. Golly, I'm tired like TK is with Go Bear. I don't know, man. I kind of had hope that Bam would pull through, but I didn't think he would because so. Guys, if you're listening, obviously we didn't start this podcast at the beginning of the season, but Bam Adebayo was my preseason pick to win the defensive player. Mm-hmm. So, I obviously am going to have a little bias to hope that he picks, but I just don't think his games played is just enough. And like yeah. I mentioned on the last pod, like I think it's enough, and he's been good enough to get an all-first defense selection. I just don't think mm-hmm. it's enough to win the defensive player of the year. Yeah, I, I can agree to that. It just – it sucks because I feel like he definitely – like in the games that he's shown that he's proved that – the games that he played, he's proved that he could win it. But like you said, you can't win it when you're playing way less games than Marcus Smart. And Marcus Smart's literally holding it down for the Celtics backcourt-wise too. <sighs> yeah, Gobert though, I hope Bam has more votes than Gobert. I'd be so furious if Gobert finishes second. 
Uh, yeah, so I'm de- I'm definitely uh, definitely surprised to see that. Um, I'm happy about it because you you guys know how I feel about Gobert. Uh, hope everybody in the world does not know. But yeah, it's a surprise, but I'm happy about it. Happy surprise. Yeah, and I I touched on this in the last pod, but I guess what surprised me the most is like, I smart's a lock for my first team defense, but I, I'm. Just, Still not on board with this Marcus Smart for Defensive Player of the Year. I feel like it's like a cop-out since Robert Williams got hurt. And mm-hmm. they want to give the Defensive Player of the Year to somebody on the best on the on what's the best defense by far. Like, yeah. they feel, like, obligated, I think, to give it to somebody that's on that good of a defense. But, yeah, I, yeah, I feel like that's definitely the case. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I mean, he's, he's – Proved that he could. He, I mean, he's definitely on that level. But he, yeah, he I think had, I'm with you on that. But in my eyes, you can't convince me or tell me that as an individual, and considering that all of these guys I'm about to name have led, the only one is Giannis. Considering their defense isn't as good as it has been, but you you can't convince me that he's been a better defender this season than Giannis, Mikel Bridges, or Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't you, you know, I, I definitely don't think he's a better defender than Mikel Bridges. I mean, because it's just for the fact that Mikel can guard anyone that has the ball in their hand, honestly. That's just like Bam, but, you know, we already talked about Bam. Yeah, my, my, my vote was Jaron Jackson Jr., but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I knew going in. I don't, I don't think he's getting the respect he deserves. So I knew going in, he probably wasn't going to be in real contention to win it, even though he's my pick. So I was hoping Mikel Bridges would, but I don't think he's going to. I think it's going to be smart. So we'll see, but he's got a pretty good lead right now because it's not that he has overwhelming first-place votes, but when people are deciding their second and third and stuff, he's consistently in top three and others aren't. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's looking like it's going to be smart. He's got a nice lead right now. Um, rookie of the year, it's about as close as it can be between Barnes, Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley right now. And I mm-hmm. guess I, it doesn't shock me. I guess I thought Cade might get a few more votes. I really did think he was in, like, not like serious contention, but I thought he was starting to get a pull from some voters at the end. But, TK, what do you think about this one? If I had a vote myself, I would give it to Scotty Barnes. Uh, just what they're doing is incredible, and what he's doing personally is incredible. Um, Mobley, this is hard, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I get why it's about split, because this is just about the hardest uh, award that I, I could vote for, but if yeah. I had a vote, I'd give it to Scotty Barnes. Yeah, it's it, it was the hardest one for me to see. Man, but 100%. It's just the fact that I'd give mine to Scotty just by the way that – because I figured with that earlier in the season, it was Mobley's to lose. He had the, he was the runaway favorite, but no injuries, all that, the kind of the downfall of the Cavs, I figured the vote would go to whoever played the best towards like the end of the season. And Scotty's definitely played the best towards the end of the season. And I know – it's team success shouldn't really I mean it has a little bit to do with the vote too I mean and the Raptors are 
better off than the Cavs are right now. And Scotty has a lot to do with that. So I definitely – it's actually closer than – like I'm with TK. It's closer than I would than I admitted. But I have Scotty. I thought Cade would get a lot more votes too just because he turned it up after the All-Star break. Like he, he – I mean, same as Jalen Green though. Jalen Green, he turned it up too. But it seems like he's going to be like a like a fourth or a fifth, while Cade would probably finish. I mean, unanimously third place. Yeah, no, Cade will easily get third. But yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that one shakes up. Um, mm-hmm. Most improved, same type situation. Jordan Poole's kind of had a surge and is getting some real attention. Uh, attention. I didn't think I. I personally thought it was going to be somewhere between like. I think Josh would win, like I said. Um, But I thought it was like Garland and DeJounte Murray. I didn't really think – I don't know. I just feel like it's one of those things where, yes, Jordan Poole was a G League player sometimes last year. But, dude, I feel like when he played, like – I'm not – he was not this good at all. But, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like when he did play, like, you saw the – I don't know. I just don't feel like Poole had the jump necessarily that those guys did. But 100%. I feel like that was more like, hey, you're playing more. Yes. Uh, yeah, he definitely has a, a larger role, which helps a lot. But I just cannot – I can't just logically defend him over Jaw. That's Jaw what has like, literally ahead, a huge so, jump. I, I feel like people are overreacting, like, in the sense that – they're acting like they already had Jaws this type player. Like, no, you didn't. Like, go back to a year ago. <laughs> no. Like, yeah, not at all. Not. Like, <laughs> I, I saw a bunch of places where they're like, oh, yeah, uh, you're going to give most improved player to the second overall pick. But think about what you guys were saying about him last year. That's what like, I'm saying. Like, that, no, he, that Zion should have won. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. nobody trashed, <laughs> nobody trashed on Jaw. But, like, no. bro, nobody was sitting here. It's like I I got to say it again, man. But I, discuss, I discussed it on the last pod. I had Ja Morant as a top 20 player last year because I'm, like, already so high on Ja. That was not the consensus at all last season. At best, anywhere from 25 to 30. And he mm-hmm. made the jump to a top seven player, top seven rate player, bro. That's what I'm saying. That's – yeah, I'm looking right now at pool stuff. Yeah, he jumped up almost seven points. But, I mean, literally the jump to a top player in the league and will be a superstar. Like, you can't argue that. You can't. I don't care what the, I don't care what the, the counter argument is. You can't. And to go on Jordan Poole, I'm looking at right now, he, he got up seven, almost seven points, increased speeds. Also – Increased his play from 19 minutes a game to 30 minutes a game. Yeah. Like, so, what do you would you expect? And I'm 11 not, more and minutes. You can and I'm score. Not, I'm not saying that you always should assume that player mm-hmm. A is going to keep the same production if he plays more. But like, it's one of those things that there's certain guys like you could tell Jordan Poole is going to be a good player. Like. Oftentimes, if somebody projects you to be in the most improved player race, then you mm-hmm. probably didn't necessarily get that much better. You probably just played more. Exactly. And 
Jaw went from Jaw went from nineteen to almost to twenty seven and a half points. I, yeah, I don't want to hear this. He plays the same minutes. What? I mean, literally the so, same minutes. So like, Jaw was in my most improved at the beginning of the season. Only I picked Fultz, but Fultz got hurt, and mm-hmm. so Jaw was my second pick. And I picked Jaw because he got that taste of the playoffs, and I was like, he's about to do this in the regular season. Like he's like he's like he's taking that jump. And, like, I feel like after the playoffs that year, when I ranked Ja top 20, the argument whenever I would talk to friends or other people was he was awesome in the playoffs, but they were like, he's got to do that consistently in the regular season. So, like, I don't know. I just feel like people – I don't want to go on this rant. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. It gets me fired up because I get – Ja deserves the award. I don't care. In discussion. Yeah. Okay. In discussion. Um, all NBA first team. I didn't want to do all three of the teams because it's hard to tell, but all NBA first team, this seems like a lock. Doncic, Booker. Mm-hmm. Those are my two, those are my two guard spots. This is what kind of shocked me, but I don't have a problem with it. Jason Tatum, Giannis, Jokic. Okay, and I know that Jokic and Embiid had position flexibility. I personally decided to use the position flexibility because I feel like they've been two of the top three mm-hmm. best players. Yeah. In terms of in terms of having it as an individual season. Okay. Um I I don't I just don't have a problem with it because at the end of the day, they don't play anything other than center. Those two don't. So if somebody wants to use that, I'm perfectly fine with it. So I, that's why it doesn't bother me. Um, so yeah, that does boot Embiid to second team center. And oh, we shouldn't have that. Um, go back to obviously times change, but there's like, bro, Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain were having to fight for that one spot too. So it's not like this is the yeah. one time ever that we're having two great players, one of them having to be thrown on second team. So oh, it happens literally all the time. So I think the NBA should move towards positionless stuff uh-huh. just because of the way the game's played now. But until they do, I can't argue with somebody using that logic while they vote. Mm-hmm. So and they're and I mean, using position flexibility. But the problem is, is that if you vote, this happened to Tatum last year because Tatum would have been all NBA if you just went by total votes. But mm-hmm. your votes don't add together if you get so many votes. Like, if you get 50 first-place votes for forward and 50 first-place votes for center, but somebody but two pe- somebody gets 75 first-place votes for center, and or I couldn't do that. It had to be less. It, but anyway, yeah. if, if they had more first-place votes altogether, but so many were divided into forward and so many were divided into center, they may not make first team even if they had more first first place votes because it's just based on a certain position. It's not like total. Okay. That makes okay, sense. I didn't know that. So and then you said your two guards last year. Yeah. You and, said your two guards were Don, uh, Luca and Booker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I can I can get with that. I just I'm seeing some people have uh, Booker and Jaw. I'm like that's that's, I don't that's agree, a t- I don't agree with Josh. Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like Luca has been better. And um, or wait, did you say Luca and Jaw or Book and Jaw? Uh, 
book and jaw. Yeah, I can't. I can't get behind that at all. And Mm-mm. you could maybe you could maybe talk to me about Luca and Jaw, but I can't do it because Jaw missed twenty five games. Yeah, he did, and I. And it would be hard for me not to put Booker on there, especially with team success and all that. And oh yeah, T- take away games missed. There's still there's still plenty of argument to say Booker. One hundred percent. Who did you? Uh, who do you have for Coach of the Year? Well, I picked um, Monty, but I don't. I haven't seen that on the spreadsheet. So, um, Monty won the AP. It's AP Coach of the Year, something like that. But that's not the actual award. He won that last year too, but didn't win Coach of the Year. I mean, I really feel like he's going to run away with it. I feel like Taylor's going to get second. I think Jenkins has. I think Jenkins. Hey guys, if you're listening. Co-host Blake Clark is now on the pod. We finally have together. Oh, wow. Glad to be here. This is the first episode <laughs> in a while where we can finally have the three hosts together, so I'm excited. Blake, we're just finishing reacting to the awards. We're about to talk about the play-in for a little bit, so just so you know where we're at. Gotcha, but, gotcha. But, yeah, now that's reacting to the awards. Um, we'll see how they turn out, but I think it's interesting how they look right now. So, I want to dive into the play-in a little bit. I got, a, I got a question. Any of you pop in. I think the play-in's awesome. Are you guys for the play-in? Yes, 100%. Love the play-in. I am all for the play-in. I love my guy in, in one-game situations. I like it, but at the same time, I can see why there is some um, backlash that it gets uh, because, you know, some teams like – the 10 seed could be literally 12 games behind the 8 seed, and they could be playing in the second game of the play-in. And some teams don't think that they deserve to play that game. So I can see that, but I think it makes it more competitive. So I'm personally for it, but I can see when there is some backlash. I agree with that. I think whenever they were in the bubble, to because all they did was make it to compete for the 8 seed since they weren't playing 82 games, you had to be within four games of the mm-hmm. 8 seed. So I would – I totally am on board with that. I love the play-in, but I do think there has to be some kind of cap on games. Yeah, like especially with like the Timberwolves, like the gap between the Timberwolves and like the Pelicans and and the Spurs. So like if the Clippers were to beat the Timberwolves and the Timberwolves would like lose again. But, that, but that's like another counter argument too for that. It's just like if the Timberwolves were so many games ahead, they should just play up to their – like games to the gap that they have, but it's also a one-game series. Yeah. Like literally anything could happen. Anything. But I feel like the playing would be, like, perfect if they kept that same, like, within-game window to be able to participate, like how it was in the bubble. If they, like, implemented that, it'd be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, think, the, I think the best way to go about it is, like, top six are in. And then this is just my thoughts here. If you're within, even if you're the, even if you're the 10 seed, kind of like if you're within four games of the seven seed, because that was the number in the bubble, you can beat mm-hmm. four the, or I guess not the 10 seeds, but if you're, if you're the eight seed and you're within four games, you can compete for the seven seed. If not, they're the seven seed. And then if yeah. you're, and then if you're nine or 10, then, and you're within four games, you can compete with the eighth seed. 
So essentially, uh, essentially like this year, the, I think the Clippers were like five or six games behind the Timberwolves. Essentially what I'm saying is Timberwolves are automatically the seventh seed. Clippers, mm-hmm. Clippers play the winner of the Pelican Spurs for the eighth seed. No, I, I 100% agree with that because if it's like this year's Eastern Conference playing where literally seven through ten is literally one game or tied, oh, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. But with Minnesota has 46 wins and the Spurs have 34, that shouldn't even like even be remotely a game that should be played Yeah. if the, if the Timberwolves were to lose. I can see Timberwolves and Clippers 100% because it's just – it's forty six wins to forty two. Yeah, it's a okay. four game thing. That yeah, was four. Yeah, don't play. But, don't play the Clippers. Come on now. Come on, bro. That's my team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm repping them right now. L A. Baby, they got the statement. Oh boy, the statement. Oh sure. boy, the real L A. The real L A. Actually, yeah. Right now, the real L A. So the L A. sucks. I I really but, enjoyed watching the games Tuesday and Wednesday. Were you guys able mm-hmm. to get into those? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, they were great games. So, Especially which, seeing Kyrie go off. Which one do you think was the most entertaining? I'm biased, but I'm going to say the Clippers-Timberwolves game. It was a really good one. Yeah. That was a good one. No, that was a good one. Honestly, for me, just in terms of, like, wowing, I would say the Nets one just because Kyrie literally almost played a perfect game. Yeah. It was fun. It's so fun to watch Kyrie when he's playing his game. Oh, yeah. It's just favorite, so fun. Yeah. But, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, my favorite game to watch was definitely the Hawks. Uh, we beat that. Beat, oh, beat that. But the but, uh, most interesting game to watch was uh, T. Wilson. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask you real quick. I know you guys are in the chat. But I, I, the Hornets got to shake some things up. He's a, Miles Bridges is a restricted free agent this offseason. Somebody just budget. What's the most you're willing to match on Miles Bridges? Because he wants a max deal. He's been pretty vocal about it. Give him that max deal. I'm joking. Don't don't touch it. No, I'm not. But I'm what I'm really, saying is like, I don't think somebody gives him a max. But like, what's the top dollar that you'd be willing to match if you're Charlotte before you would start working out a sign trade? So like what this max would be like what north of like thirty mil a so year. So if it was a max, if it was a max, and it was via sign and trade, I don't know if he could get that. But if it was a max via sign and trade, it's five years, one hundred seventy-three mil. One seventy-three. All right, so that's like almost thirty-five mil a year. I'm not well, paying it that. Kick, it kicks up every year. Oh, okay. So start out at like twenty-eight, twenty-nine, something like that. Twenty-eight would probably be, twenty-eight would probably be the absolute max I would pay him. And that's still pushing it. Like, See, I don't even pushing it. I really don't know. I really don't even know if I'm pushing twenties with bridges. I'm not even kidding, bro. Like, I think I'm going like eighteen, nineteen tops. See, I, I agree with that. It's just more of the fact, like, what would what could they get if they lose on him? I feel like. They'll see that teams are going to put out, could put out, get desperate and put big bucks out, and they'll have no choice but to match it. And they're going to really like screw themselves over for the next few years. Because I'm with you now. There's no way I'm paying him money like that, even remotely close. Because this season, I mean, I don't want to wish it on him, but this season could be a fluke. It it really could. He could, like, never – this could be his peak and never do a season like this again, and then you're paying him uh, 
at one year, $1.35 million that year. Like, there's no way. I'm not doing that. I, but I'm with, but they have to make some type of moves because the way that their roster is constructed right now, they're not going to make it ceiling higher than what around this area. They can't. They're going to have to do something pretty drastic. This, all, this is a really important offseason for them, but that's not the way to go about it. You cannot pay him a max deal. Yeah. Blake or two. Even $10 million. What would be your limit? If I'm, the, um, if I'm them, the most I'm paying him is 21. Okay. If he, wants okay. To, if he, gets, if he gets the max, if he gets the max, bye. <laughs> this, this, is go, this, this, this money is going to somebody else. Uh, but yeah, like I'm gonna say that that 18 to 21 range is probably the most I'd give him. Um, but knowing the Hornets, they'll be putting it on a silver platter the max form. They do not make smart decisions as an organization. Uh, they'll be losing Lamelo Ball here in the next few years. But as far as Miles Bridges, I would not give him a max, but I can see it happen. Yeah. I could definitely see that. I said, honestly, I don't want to. I really, I could. Yeah, I realistically see them like he starts real high, and Miles, knowing that he probably does, it shouldn't get that high, he would start out at the max and negotiate down to like twenty six. And he said he won. He won the deal. Oh yeah. Right. And the Hornets think that they got him on a bargain. He won the max. I got him for twenty six. Like no, you wasted so much money on that. Yeah. So, just kind of moving away from that game because it was a blowout. Uh, I, Charlotte, you just got to get a center. Like, you haven't had one for some years now. You've been blown out mm-hmm. 9-10 play-in game two years in a row now. Like, you got to do something. Go one direction or the other, man. Get Hayward. Trade Hayward. It just doesn't fit your timeline anymore. It's not been an experience. Yeah. He's, been a, he's been a good player whenever he's been there. But just considering what you have, what you're trying to do, just – go completely young or something. I don't know. It's just a lot of things need to be done there. But um, you, know, you know what they got to do, Kyle? What are you about to Hayward say? for rush trade. Oh, Lord. We can get into that in the episode. But um, the Nets-Cavs game, just real quick. Um, it's kind of a breakdown, man. Kyrie, crazy. KD, really good game. I hate it for the Cavs because you can tell how much they miss Jared Allen. Um, yeah. They also just don't have – I was kind of disappointed. Maybe this was a bigger staff decision, but you would think with someone like Evan Mobley, you could throw him on a KD or a Kyrie and not have to – which I know it's hard because you do have to switch a lot with those guys. But the blitzing that far out and just letting Bruce Brown pick your team apart, I know you'd probably rather live with that, but it wasn't working. So it's like, and they just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And so, I don't know. It's just like, it was still a close game. Garland had his coming out. I mean, I don't know if a lot Gosh, of people, yeah. I don't know if a lot of people get to watch Garland on a consistent basis, but Garland got to be on national TV against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. It was awesome. So that was fun. Um, them and the Hawks should be a good one tonight. Hopefully Jared Allen can play. He said he's 50-50. Um, Clippers, T-Wolves, I want to hear some of you guys' thoughts on this one. But just real quick, going over it, this is an example of why these one-game scenarios can be so crazy. And it's yeah. because Ty Lue had a A++ game plan 
on on defending and going at their best player. And it was awesome. Carl and Towns couldn't do anything on the offensive end. And on the defensive end, we were just attacking him, attacking him, making him come up and guard certain situations. He couldn't. But the problem with it was you could tell that Ty Lue had game plan so well for that. There wasn't a lot of scheme for when Cat was off the floor. And yeah. so when Cat was off the floor, they were a way better team. And so we just struggled in that sense. So I hate it because Ty Lu is a really good coach, and that's something that he easily improves on if it's a series. But with a one-game setting, it was just kind of shot in the foot with it because Cat got in foul trouble. Yeah, uh, I would definitely say – Cat uh, getting out of the game was the best thing to happen to them. Oh, yeah. If he stays in, they lose. Like, they lose. The one thing I do have to say, like, fault for Clips is late, like, late fourth quarter, I just don't think Reggie Jackson should have tr- took control like he did. Yeah. And there I, was times, like, it just shouldn't have happened. So it shouldn't have happened. I feel like it's a tough situation, and I want Blake to hop on this after I get done talking. But like, you go basically more than half the year without Paul George on the floor. Yeah. So in a lot of those situations, Reggie is the guy throughout the season, and that's where continuity matters, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. the obvious answer in everybody's head is. Why doesn't Paul George have the ball? Especially because of how good Paul George had played in the second half. He had an awesome game because of his second half performance. But it's just hard, man, because when Reggie is so used to playing that way, it's not like a random switch just flips in your head. Like, oh, yeah, PG's on the floor with me now. Like, it's like you get habits. And so you got to go back towards certain things. And that's where continuity comes into play, in my opinion. Blake, what do you think about the ending of that game since we're both Clippers fans? Uh, well, it was a hard-fought game. Clippers had it in the bag until they let a 20-some-odd run go on for the Timberwolves. Um, I wasn't a big fan of how the substitutions were or the lack thereof. Uh, I thought Rose should have played more. Yeah. Um, I thought he should have been in there instead of Marcus Morris there near the end. Um, I didn't mind Mook being in. Here were my problems, and sorry to, like, cut you off, but Norm has to be in more often. That's what I was going to say. Not necessarily more overall minutes, but, like, more often. And I would like more Norm minutes, but I don't think it's, like, bad if he plays the minutes he played the other night. But then the other thing for me is D'Lo kept picking apart our drop coverage on Zubak, and I'm not saying D'Lo is Luka, but it's kind of like a similar style off the off the ball screen. And in the sense that, like, it's slow. He examines the whole floor. He gets the defender on his back as they're coming over the top on the drop coverage. And Zubak is just so far back. And D'Lo is so skilled that, like, it gives him so many options. So, for me, it was like, if D'Lo's on the floor, I'm not so sure Zubak can be. And I feel like he kind of he kept overdoing it it's hey he fixed it in a series it's hard in a one game setting man but keep going whatever thoughts you got but also with the same thing any answer that we tried to put on D'Lo you have Anthony Edwards that's in the game at the same time and when those two were in the game together they were nearly unstoppable unstoppable 
and it was it was a hard fought game, but also um, with the Clippers, there was really a lot of ill-advised shots that went on in the last five minutes of the game. They weren't they weren't they weren't uh, using the clock properly. Um, there were shots over double teams. I just didn't see a a good shot in that time period. I mean, there was good shots. I mean, we were cutting it close and. But I meant like a good run of where we had good possessions back to back to back. And I think that was the main issue that the Clippers had. They got flustered because, again, it's in a one-game setting. They're, they don't have the home uh, advantage. Timberwolves took that to their advantage. And they had guys that stepped up in place of the cat. They, they kind of went smaller, too, which was good for them. Um, yeah. And they had they – had, uh, they were more versatile that way, but um, I think that cat came out and said that the game plan didn't work on him was crazy. Oh my I'm just going to throw that out there, too. Just don't, just, just don't get me started. <laughs> don't get me started. That was so – That just crossed my mind, dude. Like, but to me, the thing that gave them life was Malik Beasley's three at the end of the third quarter. I feel like we had him. And then yeah. we, we got a basket to make it nine-point game. And then they go down the court. Malik Beasley gets a wide open shot. They get down two to two possessions after he hits that, and their arena goes nuts. But it is what it is. Tonight we play the Pelicans. Hawks play the Cavs. Real quick, give me your two picks. I'm going Hawks, Clippers. I'm going the same. I said earlier this year during the podcast that I thought the Cavs were dropping when they were the fourth seed. I said that they probably would make the play in. And that's what's happening. And they don't have they have little to no experience at all with the playoffs. And I do not see them beating the Hawks. TK. Yeah, not. Yeah, my support. <laughs> yeah, I have the exact same picks. Um, we've busted up the Cavs a few times this year, so I think we have a good game plan for them. And Trey Young, like I've said in every single podcast, he is probably one of the best players in the NBA in one game situations. So I'm taking us and and y'all. Yeah, I'm the same. I feel like with the Cavs and Hawks, Garland's gonna put up another 30 bomb and still lose. I mean, I just I just don't think they have it yet. Like they proved that they the potential's there. They're just not there yet. They're just not there yet. And like I'm with TK. Trey Young, this is this is his environment. He's gonna clutch up. Oh yeah. I think I think with Pelicans and Clippers. I think Pelicans would give a good fight, but I think – and Willie Green would do a good game plan, but Tyler's going to have a better game plan, and that's what's going to win it. I just think that – I just think that the Pelicans are going to get outcoached, and Clippers have better talent than, than the Pelicans do. But, yeah, they're going to – they're going to – I think because, like you said, Kyle, how much they want to push this playoff spot, they're going to give some fits. But Tyler's game plan, he's going to fix some stuff up. It'll – yeah, I have Hawks and Clippers too. I mean, I've, I feel like that's like a pretty general wide like consensus picks to win this. I'd be genuinely surprised if that's not the two teams that make the playoffs. I, I feel that. But we'll see. They should both be good ones tonight. But mm-hmm. moving on, first-round playoff series and just playoffs in general, I'm super excited. I know you guys are super excited. Tomorrow, a full day of playoff basketball is going to be amazing. Um, but first, before we get into these series, we just want to talk about who has the most to prove 
And I don't want to just go super in depth because I feel like a lot of it is self-explanatory. But yeah, um, TK, I want to start with you. It I don't care. There's not a certain number. Just give me who you think it doesn't have to be one person. It can, it can be one person. It can be two people. It can be three people. If you think they deserve mention here, mention them. Who has the most to prove in this year's playoffs? It can be a player, a coach, a whole team, whatever. Okay, so I'm gonna go um, James Harden. Uh, the Miami. Uh, let me stop you real quick. Is James Harden number one on everyone's list? Uh, he he's like one B on my list. Okay, he's, he's he's clear one on my list, Blake. Uh, he's up there. I don't know if he's one, but okay. he's like he has argument, of course. Keep going, TK. Okay, yeah. So, um, James Harden, the Miami Heat, and then. Um, like, I don't want to see if, like, the Nets can get past the um, the Celtics. So, those are my three. Do you think that they have something to prove in that sense, though? I mean, yeah, they, they traded away their third star for – yeah, they traded away the third star to see if this was what they needed to mess to make that push. So, yeah, I do think they have a lot to prove. I think that's fair. I was. I just wanted to see. I couldn't. Yeah. Tell I couldn't tell by your wording. Um, yeah. Uh, Blake or Angel, either one. Right, I'll go. I have. I have a couple people. Uh, mine one A is Doc. Uh, okay. Yeah. He has Glenn a lot is, to prove. Glenn is two for me. Yeah. Um, him and Harden. I mean, also technically the Sixers, but uh, Rivers and Harden are like my number one because it just. Rivers literally his whole legacy hangs on that one Celtics ring and it's so annoying and he's like consistently proved like he that was like a one thing like he is not winning he like they're they're just not built he's just not have it in him to go far and win again Harden has so much to prove like TK I won't go too much on that even uh from just as fan span as standpoint I think the Heat have a lot to prove uh he Honestly, the Jazz. I feel like the Jazz have a lot to prove because, to me, I'm not not the biggest on them, and I feel like they're capped off, like, second round. Surprise people make the conference finals, but not really. I just feel like they have a lot to prove because if they, like, barrel out round one, they have a lot of questions to ask about if Donovan and Gobert can really lead this team or if they need to, like, um, revamp it. I have the Nets for the same reasons, just because I have the Sixers off for obvious reasons. And I don't know. I kind of feel like – let's see. I feel like people – not from my list, but I feel like people are going to say Phoenix and to to think that it's like a fluke playoff season on playoffs last year. I don't really necessarily have them as my most approved. But I can def I can see people definitely saying that Phoenix has a lot to prove. So, so and that's about it for me. For our listeners, going to have to. I, I want Blake to go ahead and jump in because Blake was nodding his head constantly. Mm-hmm. And Angel was talking about the Suns. So, Blake, take the yeah, phone. baby. The Suns got something to prove. Um, I don't. I don't really know. I mean, they had a great regular season. I don't know if they're going to do it again this postseason. I don't have them at number one. I'm agreeing with Angel. I got my boy Doc, not my boy. I got that that boy Doc. I got him at I got him at one. Um, there, there's no need to go upon that. Angel nailed it perfectly. But when I was on my head with the Suns, 
that was part saying they they got something to prove and part they had to deal with the Clippers. That was more of just me being a homer. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but as far as the Suns, they're a young core. They got a one of the best point guards to ever play the game with them. They have every piece that they need. However, the way to the finals is a tough one for them. After the first round, I'm saying that the first round, if they play the Clippers, is going to six games. I know. I don't know if y'all agree with that, but I think it goes to six. We'll dive into it. Keep going. I, I think they go to six. And then after that, they're most likely going to play the Jazz since Luke is going to be out. We can agree with yeah, that. Okay. We'll, we'll dive into that one, too. Keep yeah. going. Yeah, okay. I'm just saying that they're, they're having a tough road in the playoffs. And they may be the most winning team in the in the regular season. However, this this postseason, I think, is going to be one to see that if they can keep up what they were able to do last year. Because I believe that their, their playoff run last year had a lot to do with some injuries. I mean, I don't think that that's, mm. like, wrong. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when they played the Lakers, Lakers weren't the healthiest. Clippers didn't I, have quiet. They beat they beat the Lakers regardless. I don't care. Chris Paul got uh, okay. hurt too. Chris okay. Paul got hurt too. Okay. They beat the Clippers, but Kawhi was not there for the entire series. Oh no, I've argued that one. I, yeah. So I'm not I'm not saying that they're not a great team, but they are. And then, okay. and then the next one that I have something to prove is just. Uh, the Jazz. Um, yeah, I think that this is their last chance to see um, how this team is going to be made up, and if they don't do something this this postseason, I think that they blow up in the offseason. Yeah, so so branching off because the Jazz are on my list. Uh, this core has never made a Western Conference Finals. Um, they've they've continuously been killed by small ball. It's a problem every year. And they, they went to get Rudy Gay this offseason to try to have a good small ball lineup, but that doesn't seem like it's worked out that well to this point. Maybe something changes in the playoffs, but I don't even know if he'll be in the playoff rotation. I don't know. We'll see. Um, there's obviously the tension between Mitchell and Gobert. I think it's pretty obvious it's time to stop denying it. And two years ago in the bubble, they blew the 3-1 lead. A little different blowing a 3-1 lead in the bubble, I would agree than it is with getting games at home. But still, blew a 3-1 lead. All you have to do is win one more game. And last year blew a 2-0 lead to the Clippers. And I don't think it would have been that big of a deal because they were the inferior team. But the problem was that it was 2-2 and Kawhi was hurt at the end of game four. You had game five at your place with no Kawhi. You let PG tear you absolutely apart at your home floor, and then game six, you blew a 25-point lead in the second half. And I love Terrence Mann, but you let a role player score 39 in the closeout game. So, yeah, there, there's a lot on, at, the, at stake for Utah for me. Um, James Harden is my number one, though. Bro, you've been on three teams in two years. You pushed Chris Paul out of there for Westbrook. Then you didn't want to play with Westbrook. You wanted to get traded to the Nets. You played with KD and Kyrie. I get it. You got hurt last year. I don't blame you guys too much for that. But you come into this year, a little adversity hits. Kevin Durant gets hurt. You guys fall out of the first seed. You want to throw a fit. So then you want to get traded to the 76ers. Now you're not playing well for the 76ers. 
they actually kind of fell down a few spots in the standings from whenever you got there. So you already have a narrative of shrinking in the playoffs. I'm not big on it, but that's your narrative. And like I said, man, you just just not been very good at Sixers. So I think there's a lot. At, I, I genuinely think there is a ton at stake for James Harden's legacy in this postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, no, 100%. Yeah, and then uh, I kind of – I kind of touched on the heat, just the simple fact that they had the bubble run and then they got swept last year. And that the only reason I wasn't going to put them, but it's a very favorable path, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, like me and you have talked about separately, Angel, anything less than the Eastern Conference Finals is probably a very big disappointment. That's what I was just about to ask Blake. Like, what would he consider a, a disappointment for the Sun season? Would so, it be we'll, the Western Conference? We'll talk about that whenever we go. That's a great question. Keep that in mind when we, when we okay. talk about the Sun series. Okay, um, but yeah, I obviously you guys have already touched on Doc Rivers. I got him. Uh, so yeah, that was that was my list. Um, so now, real quick, don't need any context to it. What's the series that you're looking forward to the most that does not involve your team? So obviously, three of us here, our team is currently they have they would have to win the playing game tonight to be in, but we're just gonna assume that they're in for this purpose. Uh, okay. So we'll I'll I'll give my pick first Raptors seventy sixers. Alrighty, I'll go second, and it is the Nets Celtics. Honestly, <laughs> I would def- I would honestly I think I'm gonna go with the T Wolves and the Grizzlies. I think that's gonna be an entertaining series, regardless of how many games is in it. Yeah, Pat Bev and Jaw going at it. I mean, it's gonna be fun to watch. It's like a Lance LeBron type thing. Yeah, give me the um, you know, if you had asked me first podcast, I'd tell you the Bucks and Bulls, but not anymore. I'm gonna go with the uh, Warriors <laughs> and the Nuggets. Uh, that's gonna be a good series, I believe. Yeah, and I, I like it because I, I don't think that that's us picking different ones. It genuinely that just shows how good these first round matchups are for the oh. most part. And so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like that. Um, and then just real quick, <laughs> one team. If you think that if you think somebody's on upset watch, guys, we're not going to include four and fives. Just for the simple fact that, in my opinion, they're so close. But uh, outside of four and fives, do you think any team is on real deal upset watch? Just give me your pick, real quick. Uh, I have two. Go ahead, man. I have two. I have uh, the Warriors on upset watch, just for the sake of it all rest upon Steph's uh, health. And I actually have Celtics on upset watch. I can definitely see that series going either way. So those are my two upset watches. I I have Celtics and Warriors as well. Um, we'll get into the Celtics net series, but obviously with it being seven two, and then I have the Warriors as well. But just I like I like you said, man, like Steph's health, and I also just think it's like. There's not a less ideal matchup, in my opinion, for the Warriors. I get it. Jamal Murray's out. My four juniors out. But, like, this is a series where Jokic could have his best playoff series of his career just because of who's going to be guarding him. And yeah. even when they send doubles, he won't have a big on him. Like, that's still the thing. So, mm. Luke and Tommy, either one of you pop in. Do you think anybody's on real deal upset watch? I have the same team as you all. So, uh, Tommy, do you have anything different? I do have something different. I think um, both the both the Cavs and the Hawks have a 
a lineup that match up well with the Miami Heat. Really? Oh, so, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I, okay. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the Miami Heat on upset watch note, regardless of who wins tonight. I'm assuming that that you're saying if the Cavs won, it would have to be Jared Allen, fully healthy. Coming back, yeah, come, yeah. So, but okay. I expect him back like wow. by game four. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. And that's that's a great transition because the first series that we're gonna get into is one seed Heat versus potentially eight seed Hawks or Cavs. And guys, we're not gonna go for our listeners, we're not gonna dive super deep into this one just because we don't know who the opponent is yet. But we're gonna just briefly touch on what we think it would be if it was either opponent. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna discuss some things within the series. And then at the end, we're going to say who we would pick and in how many games. So, Tommy, I I take the floor after what you just told us about either the Hawks or the Cavs. This is yours right now. Floor is yours. Floor is mine. Okay. So, what I like, so I think that Darius Garland and Kyle Lowry, pretty even. Um, not pretty even, but I think they match up well against each other. So, and I don't think that the Heat have done what everybody expected them to do from the first podcast now yet. Like, yeah, they're the number one seed. They barely got it. I just don't feel comfortable and confident in this team in the playoffs, and I haven't in the last three years. Um, Obviously, I am taking the Hawks to win tonight, though. Um, So, I think Bam... Capella, great matchup. Young, Trey Young. I don't think he can really stay in front of Kyle Lowry, but I, I think Kyle Lowry makes a lot of passes tonight or in that series uh, rather than takes over the scoring role. Um, and I think it comes down to Jimmy, John Collins. So JC's then, still out. I don't know what his timetable is. We're screwed. Um, but yeah. I don't know. Uh, so I'm just gonna jump in real quick. Yeah, hop in here. I hop in. Here. Save, save me a little bit. Well, I'm not going to. I <laughs> 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 hey, go six or seven though. Six or seven. That's where I'm in the off. And who? And I'm, I'm picking the Heat. I'm picking the Heat. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Obviously. Okay. So I mean, yeah. I'm, not about, I'm not gonna talk about. I'm not gonna talk about matchups or how they how they fare against each other too much just because I don't know the matchup of who it'll be but I just think the Heat's defense is going to be too good for either team um I do think in a Hawks Heat series Trey Young is the best player on the floor and in that sense I think he's good enough to win a game or two and the games might be close but I just – like I said, I'm not going to talk on this series too much. I don't see either team having the heat in real danger. If they play the Hawks, I got heat in six. If they play the Cavs, I got heat in five. Okay. That's solid. Uh, see, honestly, like all bias aside, I can see where Tommy's coming from with the Hawks just because for the fact that, like, the heat – while we are top five in the league in, like, opponent turnovers, we're also top five in turnovers, and the Hawks give up less turnovers than anyone. So that's, like, a, that's like a pretty big thing that would come, uh, come about. And the fact that we'd have to – I feel like it would be Jimmy, like, like how he was two seasons ago, 
but we're going to have to have someone become the number one consistent scorer. I mean, I feel like Jimmy would take over, and I don't really think that – I really think that he'd ball out this series. But if we can't force a lot of turnovers against the Hawks and they're very good at holding the ball, it would be, be a tough – I mean, I'd say at most six. I'm going to say five or six. I'm not saying seven whatsoever. So, I mean, sorry, Tommy, but not seven at all, regardless. Six the most. I can see six, though. I can see six. Yeah. But no more. No more than six. Like, uh, I don't know. I've been right, right a lot this year. Give me the Hawks and four. I'm joking. Um, I think, uh, I think Heat are going to handle this one pretty well. I've been pretty high on the Heat for years now. Um, Angel can appreciate Huge. that. I, I, yeah, I, I, I helped. I, uh, I was a. Uh, I was one of his supporters back in the day. Um, I, I think I was a team uh, going to the finals. Even he didn't back in the bubble. But, um, yeah, I think the Heat are uh, – I think they're a uh, great defensive squad. And um, I think that if you can shut Trey, Trey Young down, that's a big if, though. Yeah. Okay. TK, I got you. I got you an if. But um, whatever uh, – Scheme they got for him, I can see it uh, panning out well for him. So I would say Heat in, I'm going to say six. Okay. Solid. So, yeah, I just don't think that the Heat are in real trouble with either team. I'm just going to be honest. But anyway, moving on to a series that is set in stone, and I want to go first here. Okay. Celtics versus Nets. Now, no Robert Williams for now. Potential to return late in the series. No Ben Simmons for now. Potential to return late in the series. Obviously, Robert Williams would be a huge get. I don't think it's worth it at this point to throw Ben Simmons in late in a series. I don't know. Maybe somebody would like to argue otherwise, but I don't. I just – there's a lot of issues with it. In the matchups that they've had this season, Boston is 3-1 and one versus Brooklyn. The one loss came in November. So, obviously, 2022 Boston has been a whole different team from yeah. 2021. Now, two of those Boston wins did come with no KD or Kyrie, but they did win by, like, 30-plus. So, I just kind of annexed those. It's whatever. Did what they're supposed to do. No playing. But we did get the one game in the Garden where KD and Kyrie were playing, and Tatum went for 54, and Boston won. And I'm not using that game to propel it too much, but that game just – that game said a lot to me. And, you know, my things with Boston is a lot of people watch the Nets and specifically as an X-factor like Bruce Brown, kill teams. Boston doesn't have to blitz, so they don't have to worry about that little short roll because Boston has six guys with, with Rob Williams out still that can pretty much switch everything. Tatum, Brown, Marcus Smart, Derek White, Grant Williams, and Al Horford can all switch. They don't have they don't have to play some different type of coverage because they're incapable of guarding somebody. Obviously, obviously, you don't want Derek White guarding KD thirty possessions a game. But I'm just saying, like in a situation, Derek White can switch on to Kevin Durant and give him some pressure. And um. Four of the seven games being in the garden, man, that's one of the toughest places to play. And there is no Rob, but I feel like Rob is the player that they can afford to lose. And I, my argument for that, man, is like 
you can't lose one of the wing players. You can't lose one of the guards. Okay, that you like that's a whole different dynamic if you lose one of those guys. But at least with the Tice pickup, Horford can start now, and Horford is just nice to have because the way he's shooting the ball, and he just came. He looked like a washed player the past few years, and since he got back on Boston, he's looked like he was five years ago. And since just being this, yeah. this just really, really good defender, and and Tice just being there, he's he's been plugged in nice. He looks like old Tice with Celtics, just just solid. He's finishing well, and he he rebounds well. He plays hard. You know, like I just feel like they could afford to lose Rob if anybody on the team. You don't want to, but I'm just saying like. If there was one guy they could afford to lose, it would be him. Uh, I think Ime Udoka is a far better coach than Steve Nash. I really do. Um, and I just think that the Celtics in 2022 have been the best team in the NBA by a long shot. And just also going along with that, Kevin Durant's exhaustion. The dude has been having to play like 40 minutes for Lord knows how long. Um He's going to be put in tough situations because you're going to have to guard. Like, mm-hmm. this this team's best two players are wing players that score the ball. So, I, Kevin Durant is a good defender, but you're going to be forcing Kevin Durant to be in positions to have to carry such a high offensive load, play 40 minutes a game, and have to constantly be guarding two great perimeter scorers. And Kyrie, although I like Kyrie a lot, the pressure he's going to be getting from these guys defensively is going to be crazy. And at the same time, um, on the other end of the floor, Cleveland was kind of picking on Kyrie. I don't know if you guys, like, mm-hmm. picked up on that. But, like, Cleveland, whether it was Karis LeVert, Darius Garland, or even um, Lamar Stevens for a few possessions, they were just, like, going at him. And, like, I – that's a tough matchup if he gets switched on to Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. And so, yeah, with Katie's exhaustion, he's also touched on it on some podcasts, just talking about mm-hmm. how uh, like, KD openly admitted, guys, if they won against the Bucks last year, they wouldn't have advanced any farther because he said he just could not do it anymore, like the toll that it took on him. And I feel like that's a toll he's taking right now and that he's yeah. going to take in this series. So I'm – if Rob Williams was in here, I picked the Celtics easy. I had a tough time with that. I got the Celtics in six. But really, yeah, yeah that that's my pick. So, um, okay. So before before you guys, before I have one of you guys just take the floor real quick, I also just want to mention that Brooklyn's defense just isn't very good, and that's in part just to not having Ben Simmons right now. And yeah, just a lot of the points I just made, man. Like I just I I just think it's an overwhelming matchup for the Nets. And it's unfortunate because they started playing well. Kyrie and KD are so good together. I just don't think it's enough. I think Boston's been the best team in 2022 by far. So now somebody else take the floor. Um, I, on my thing, I had Boston in six or seven. Uh, I, I truly, I, the biggest thing for me was defense. I don't think Brooklyn has what it takes to stop Boston. But if I'm on Brook, like just to argue both sides, looking at that last game that you were talking about, I I wouldn't feel too bad about the loss since it's a six point loss in the Garden and Tatum had to put up 54. Like 
I'm not saying like you, you take highs from a loss. I'm just saying like it, that loss could have went way worse with it being in the garden Tatum, Tatum having 54. Like, I think, I think Brooklyn can steal a win in the garden, but that's like, that's it. Yeah. Like I, I don't like, I don't think <laughs> that it would, that's going to come to Brooklyn winning this series at all, which is a shame. Like from seeing last year, like how KD was so close to like literally carrying a win over the Bucks, regardless of how it went past that. Like I thought that they would like continue that, but exhaustion really will play a big factor. I, I, I like leaning more towards six. I just wouldn't be surprised if Brooklyn was able to steal one in the garden and take it to seven. I get that. Mm. I'm going to go with you, Angel. Uh, I think it's going seven. Um, I think that this is going to be a, a series for the ages. You got a great team in in the Nets. And also, I mean, the Celtics are just the best team in the, in this year. I mean, we, you two guys saw it just a minute ago, Kyle. They have just been phenomenal. Um, looking back in January, we didn't even think they were going to make the playoffs. Now they secured the second seed. Um, what they've been able to do, I don't think it's going to slow down. Um, Tatum is just phenomenal. Uh, no knock to Jalen Brown, but Tatum, it, Tatum's the guy. Um, he's going to have to, he's going to have to show what he is. I mean, we already know what he is, but he's going to have to show it this uh, series. Um, I say that it might be even more of a more interesting series if we get word on Ben Simmons. Um, his defense is something that when brought to the table, could be really good for the Nets. So um, that's something that I would like to see. But even if he's not there, I still think it goes to seven. So I just, it's – I just want to touch on the Ben Simmons thing real quick. I guess the thing for me is, like, I think the continuity of it all does matter. And I guess – I mean, you got to throw him in if he's available. Like, he's your third best player. But to me, it's like Boston won't hardly blitz anything. And Ben could be really useful in that little short roll. But if they're not blitzing, Ben's almost like a non-factor in the half court because his man doesn't have to worry about him really off the ball. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's like it's a, it's a really crazy thing to think about if he plays in the series. Tommy, your thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, so I think it goes six or seven as well. Um, so although, um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum aren't like the same type of duo that KD and Kyrie are, I still think that you got to talk about them when you talk about the league's best duos, just because of what they can do on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball. Um, but yeah, I'm taking the Celtics in six or seven, um, simply because, I mean, how much can... KD and Kyrie do before you have to start relying on guys like Seth Curry and, you know, uh, Bruce Brown. You just hammered it home for me right there, bro. And, I like, you can only expect so much out of two people. And I think, like, the something people are, that, like, might want to bring up is, oh, well, they played the Bucks whenever these two were healthy and KD and Kyrie. I'm not saying that these two that I'm about to mention are just – outstanding players but there's a difference between Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving with Joe Harris and Jeff Green in there with them in terms of 
their defensive ability, their defensive yeah. awareness, and what they bring to the table on offense as well, and opposed to what the Nets are working with right now. I love Bruce Brown. I think Seth Curry is going to be a good shot creator for them. But just what they bring to the table compared to those two is just far different, in my opinion. So that actually kind of shocks me that everybody picked the Celtics. I thought I might be in the minority, but I guess a lot of people – I guess mm-hmm. you guys see what I see. And – so, although I think that the Nets could have really played spoiler on somebody if they would have matched up with somebody else, I just don't think this is a good matchup, I'm going to be honest. But, moving along, it's going to be a good one regardless. But, moving along, yeah. Bucks bulls uh, I don't I, – I don't care. I'm giving my – I got Bucks in four. I'm not even kidding. I got a sweep. I I don't I don't think Chicago even takes a game. I, I think it's – I think three or four – I think three, if not all four of these games are blowouts. Like I, I, you guys know I've hated on the Bulls. I'm that low on the Bulls. Yeah. And and my, it sh- the series shouldn't be close in my opinion. Bucks mm. were, Bucks were four and zero in the season. Giannis hasn't lost to the Bulls in like, I think he's won like his last sixteen games against Chicago. <laughs> oh my gosh. Holy oh. crap. And it changed in this series. Bucks and five. <laughs> <laughs> but but when they played them this season, Giannis has shot. Giannis, Drew, and Chris played in all four games together. Giannis has shot 56%. Drew has shot 52%. And Chris has shot 49%. Yeah. You're going to be relying on a front court in Chicago of, like, Vucevic, Pat Williams, Tristan Thompson, and Javante Green to handle Giannis. <laughs> no, Giannis is going to put up 30 and 18. That's going to be ridiculous. And, man, another thing for me is, like, there's no Lonzo for Chicago. That hurts. Just spacing and defense. And this is Zach Levine's first playoffs ever. DeMar has a really bad track record of shrinking in the playoffs. Although I like DeMar, that's just the facts. Um, and this is Vucevic's first ever really meaningful playoff series. <laughs> he played in like a series <laughs> or two with the Magic. But, dude, they were like the eighth seed. They never had a shot. So, and I mean – Vucevic has played against Giannis in the playoffs before. I'll just put it this way. It doesn't go very well. <laughs> no. No. I got I got, more. I got a sweep. I see on mine I had I had uh Milwaukee in four and five. I I wanna say sweep so bad. I just have a gut feeling that's like they're just gonna have an off game. And somehow, but it's just the fact that no Lonzo, no Lonzo's huge in this series. It's big. Like, it, it's huge. Um, I'm seeing where Caruso saying he's feeling better, but Caruso, that, that's not going to be a needle mover, in my opinion. Last, the last game that those two played, Giroux did whatever he wanted on Alex Caruso. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I think Caruso's a great role player, a great defender, but he's not checking Drew Holiday. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to move one more towards four instead because I'm looking at their last game that they played, and even with Giannis only having 18, which is still 18 out of seven is a great game. I mean, it's not it's nothing crazy. Brooke Lopez went off for 28, like on Vucevic. Like you can't like it's it's over. It's over before it even started. Oh yeah. And the the had 40 just to lose by almost 30 points. Like you. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they're getting swept. 
Yeah, I'm changing my pick right now. They're getting swept. Blake or T. Yeah. Either one of y'all jump in. Yeah, um, I'm just going to say, just so I don't look like a complete idiot for my pick earlier this year, <laughs> but uh, the Bulls are going to get one game in this series. Um, it's going to it's going to come down to the wire. Uh, we're going to ha- we're going to see Demar drop 65 plus, and yeah. uh, um, I don't know, man. I'm giving them I'm giving it bucks and five. I'm not I'm not going to add too much to it. <laughs> just bucks and five. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Bucks and five as well. Um, they're just uh, they do a great job taking care of their players uh, entering postseasons with uh, oh, yeah. full health. So I'm taking the Bucks and five. That's all I got there. Yeah, um, not much to discuss there. Um, you know, I people can say whatever they want. Oh, the Bucks dodged Brooklyn. I mean, yeah, like you're telling me that you buy choice would rather play KD and Kyrie opposed to playing a team that you know you're going to beat easily and then you're going to get one of Brooklyn or Boston absolutely banged up coming out of a war in the second round. Exactly. Like, like I call it call it ducking, it's smart. <laughs> Yeah, and if I'm whatever team, regardless, I don't care what people are saying. I want the best path for my team to win a championship. Because in the end, that's I, all that matters. And I don't, I don't like this mindset of like, oh, if you're ducking, then you're already screwed. Like, uh, no, you're just no smart. Like, no, because like you said, Bucks win. Because I mean, we're, come on now, Bucks are winning. Bucks <laughs> win. Tell you. The exhaustion from both teams, even though Tatum and Brown are young, it's going to be – they're both going to be tired. Whoever comes out of that series is coming out of a full-on dogfight. Exactly, even if it's six. And the fact that Bucks have a really, like, high chance of sweeping, they're going to have so much rest compared to KD <laughs> or Tatum, whichever one comes out. And oh, this is the perfect – this is the perfect thing. It's amazing. Like, the – yeah, who cares about ducking? If this ends up with the championship, then all those people saying ducking can just can just you know leave and not have to put their opinion in anything again. Yep. But yeah, enough on that one. Next one, I'm so excited for this one. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I love it. you guys. I told you guys this is my favorite one. Seventy Sixers versus the Raptors. So the Raptors were three and one in the regular season series. Two of those games came after Philly acquired Harden, and in the, and in both of those games, mm. Philly had all four of their top four players playing. So Embiid, Harden, Maxi, Vice Harris, and in both of those games, there was no Fred VanVleet or OG Ananobi. Toronto still won both games. Okay, and those games felt like playoff games. Those weren't. Yeah. Those were, those were recent. Okay, and there's obviously no Matisse Thybulle in the games in Toronto. That is huge. Um, and I, I'm not saying that he's one of their best players. He's probably the fifth best player. But for a team that has no perimeter defense at all, he's really good at that. And that just completely takes him out of at least two games, maybe three. And um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they guard and beat and harden. Nick Nurse is a maniac. Um, he, he'll run like 18 different defenses in one game. <laughs> um yeah he'll, he'll run different zones at you he'll he'll double and triple team Joel Embiid 
he might switch everything. He might run drop. Uh, he might he might run a box in one. He might run a triangle in two. He might run like a pyramid in eight. Um, like he, he might do anything, man. And so, like, I'm just super excited. He gave Embiid. He's given Embiid some trouble before. Uh, you obviously have the versatility of Toronto as well. Along with that, there's going to be all kinds of times during this series where there's four, maybe even five guys on the floor that are anywhere from like six eight to six ten that are long and athletic. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think Nick Nurse is going to run circles on Doc Rivers in this series. I don't. That doesn't mean that I think it's going to be a short series. I just think that Nick Nurse is going to way out coach him. The only con, the the big concern I have for the Raptors is that they're only in the twenty sixth percentile in half court scoring, and obviously mm-hmm. the game slows down in this setting. But Pascal Siakam's really turned it up. They will get Fred VanVleet back full time for this playoffs. Gary Trent Jr. is there. My biggest concern, man, is like the Sixers play drop coverage with Joe Embiid. Well, when you play drop, the defender's coming over the top, the the perimeter defender off of that ball screen. So the guard gets downhill, got a defender on his back with the center and drop. Well, when Matisse wasn't there in that game in Toronto not too long ago, they just kept running stuff with Gary Trent Jr. specifically coming off a ball screen, and he could get whatever he wanted because drop is successful mm-hmm. when the perimeter defender is also actually applying pressure. You go over the top of that screen and try to beat him. Well, there was no pressure. So Gary Trent Jr. could get whatever he wanted. And so they went big to big screen too, and Pascal was getting whatever. That's going to be tough for them, man. Those games are no tie will. Uh, I got wraps in seven. I think the up. I I know that it's not a crazy upset, but I think even the star power favors Philly. I got wraps. I got wraps in seven. Yeah, um, that's exactly what I have. I have wraps in seven. I was like looking at the last game too, like the yeah, with the last one with Philly's, you know, full little lineup aside from Matisse. And can we really trust? I mean, even though they lost by five. Uh, Danny Green had 18 on like six for non shooting. Can we trust Danny Green to shoot that efficient and the score 18 against this like star studded like defensive lineup? Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, I, I like I'm really excited for like the times that Pascal and Joel will be on each other. Yeah, I think that's going to be very entertaining to watch. I'm really, I'm really interested to see how Maxi performs in this series because I mean, this is it's going to be tough assignments no matter what who's guarding him. Maxi, Maxi cannot guard a single player on the Raptors that'll play. Like, not at all. To, to, to like that, and that's kind of putting it politely, in my opinion. Hence, that's why in that last game, Gary Trent had 30 points. Like, and that's that's and like you said, that's without Van Vliet too. So like, he yeah, it everything to me, is spelling Toronto in, like, seven. I don't really necessarily think it'll go less than a seven-game series, regardless of the person winning. I see a This is going to be – Yeah, I agree. Yeah, this is going to be a long one, and, and that's going to be tough. The, the re- like, like, when you – like, our listeners, when you guys – and even you guys, when you guys hear me give my reasoning, you probably think, like, oh, you, like, you really, really favors Toronto here. 
sometimes the star power does matter. And you're probably going to get at least a game or two of a really good James Harden. Like, that's what history tells you. And Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid. By far, best player in this series. Like, so, like, my – but my concern is it's going to come down to a lot of these guys hitting shots for Philly. And Toronto can avoid – I mean, they can – not avoid. Toronto can – they can afford to double Embiid with two guys that are long, athletic, and big and scramble on the other guys because the other guys aren't necessarily, like, elite shooters besides mm-hmm. Tyrese Maxey. Well, like, Niang's a good shooter, but, like, I'm just saying, like, there's going to be times in a series, in this series, where, like, the people open off those advantages are, like, Tobias Harris, Shake Milton, Matisse Thibel, like, you, you just don't have to worry as much, man. And so, I, Tommy or Blake, your guys' thoughts on this series? Uh, yeah, this is the only series I don't see another outcome other than seven games. Um, and so, what I, the approach I took for this game is I, wrote, I did three questions for myself that I really thought about and answered truthfully. Um, so, I, will the six – or will the Sixers be able to handle the offensive rebounding from the, for the Raptors? Um, what can they do to take advantage of Joel Embiid against the – like, Toronto's undersized. We all know that. And will the hamstring hold up? So I was able to answer yes for all those questions. So I do think that the Sixers do take it okay. in, uh, in okay. seven. Okay. Those are, a bunch of great, those are a bunch of great points from you guys. Unfortunately, you're wrong. Sixers are getting it out of there in six. Um, wow. wow. Yeah. Um, so, um, there's not going to be an answer for Joel Embiid. And I also see James Harden stepping it up. I didn't. That's why I didn't really say that he had a lot to prove. I mean, I know he, y'all have him having a lot to prove this postseason, but at the end of the day, he's still James Harden. And he's still an elite scorer. I I don't see this being too much of an issue for the Sixers. There are going to be two games that they lose in Toronto. But other than that, I have the Sixers handling business and moving on to the second round. Wow. Wow. Uh, I think Scotty Barnes guarded Harden really well in the two games that they played. I think he's going to get the assignment. Yeah, 100%. I genuinely think he's going to make life terrible for James Harden but I don't know we'll see um, is there any sign is there any news about OG playing OG should be there be there okay should be. oh yeah we'll Toronto see. we'll see that that's insane length with with uh Scotty OG all of them that's insane length it'll be tough regardless oh. even if Blake's right and it ends in six it's gonna be a tough six I don't think there's gonna really be any blowouts any easy games yeah, it's gonna, that's going to be probably the most entertaining series to watch. Yeah, OG, Even OG, OG will be there. OG will be there. Okay. Um, real quick, we'll move on to the West because we just covered everything in the East. Um, Suns, who they'll be playing out of the Clippers or Pelicans, like, like I said about the other one seed, I'm not going to dive too much into it for the simple fact that – we don't know the matchup yet. We'll figure it out tonight. But um, I don't see the Suns struggling too much 
in the sense of like potential upset watch. Uh, if the Clippers, I think if it's the Clippers, I think the Clippers can give them some problems. Um, only because, only because like I think we match up well with them, and we gave them a good series last year, even without Kawhi. Um, but uh, I think that the Suns would beat us in six. They would beat the Pelicans in five. I think they would play us in close games, but I just think that, like, we don't have the continuity of Paul George and the other mm-hmm. breaking it down, and the Suns are the best clutch team in the NBA. So I don't think the Suns struggle. Not at all. Uh, that I mean, you pretty much know it. I don't really have to go too far in detail over that. I like on mine. I had Sun Phoenix in five or six, and the five was for the Pelicans, six was for the Clips. I just think Clips are obviously or the better team of the two playing teams right now. And I, there's just playoff experience with the Clips that could help. But yeah, six six if it's the Clips, five if it's the Pelicans. That's about it. Suns no struggle whatsoever. Very few, very little. Yep, I have the Suns in four against the Pels and six against the Clippers. I don't really see much um, if the Pelicans make it. But with the Clippers, I do think it goes to six. I think it will be a, a hard-fought battle for the for the boys in blue. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, sadly going to be the end of the run for the Clippers. I, I think so, too, and I hate it. But we'll see who they play. We'll figure it out tonight. But two and seven in the West, we got the Grizzlies and the T-Wolves. And, you know, just to break down on this one, man, both teams want to play super fast, and I think that that helps them drawing each other for the simple fact that the game is normally more half-court based. But I think you're going to see a lot of transition in this one just because that's how they both want to mm-hmm. play. Um, this one's interesting in the sense that both teams, their top-end talent is really young. Uh, Jaws 22, Jaron Jackson Jr. is 22, Desmond Baines 23, and on the other side, Cats 26, Delo is 26, Anthony Edwards is 20. Um, both teams are top two in the NBA in points per game. Both teams are top four in fast break points. Both teams are top five in second chance points, and both teams are top four in pace. And, uh, you know, I've got the Grizzlies in seven. Um, I think it's going to be a really good series. Although Cat struggled against us in the play-in game, the Grizzlies mm-hmm. don't have a bunch of like six nine, six ten long athletic wings that are versatile mm-hmm. like we do. So I think Cat's going to be able to play more of his natural game. Um, some things I wanted to highlight for the Grizzlies because I do see them winning is the lineup of Ja, Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Stephen Adams. They've played 232 possessions together. They're a plus 25.1 whenever they're in together. And I also think a big factor here is that the Grizzlies lead the NBA in paint points. And in my opinion, there's no real threat around the rim for Minnesota. So I got Grizzlies in seven. All right, I'm going to say, TK, you can, you can go next, TK. Yeah, I'm going to go next because I got to head out after this one. But um, – so they split the split the regular season series between the, or these two teams. Um, it's going to be a good series. Uh, young talent on both sides. I'm going to take uh, the Grizzlies in five or six. Um, 
I just think they're just too much to handle um, in a seven-game series. Yeah, so that's what I – TK, since you got to go, just give our audience real quick your pick for the Warriors Nuggets and for the Mavs Jazz. Okay, Warriors Nuggets, I am going um, Nuggets. And then uh, Mavs Jazz, I'm going Jazz. Um, But, yeah. (laughs) And then real quick, TK, who is your pick to win it all? My pick to win it all, um, repeat champion. Milwaukee Bucks. Sounds good. Solid. We'll see you, brother. You guys have a great one. All right. See you, man. See you, buddy. All right. So, Angel, you were just kind of finishing up your Grizzlies and T-Wolves. Yeah, uh, I have have Grizzlies in seven. Um, I was just looking at this thing, this little statistic right now. Even with the Wolves, like, defense being pretty good, Cat ranks 121st in defensive field goal percentage within like six to like seven feet in the basket. And if Jaw attack if Jaw attacks Cat, which would definitely be in that distance range, he's gonna score. That's uh, I think that's I think that's the difference in the series. Yeah. I definitely think so. I'm really excited though to see how how uh Anthony Edwards does in his playoff debut. Oh, yeah. It's not an easy matchup. I mean the Grizzlies are good. I mean, they're really good. They have people that can guard. Like, it's not going to be easy. I think Dylan Brooks is going to get the Edwards. Yeah. Uh, we'll yeah, see. I, I we'll see. Maybe see. maybe Brooks gets the D'Lo assignment. I don't know. But I, I, I think Brooks is going to get the Edwards assignment. And for a guy that's playing in his first playoff series, that won't mm-hmm. be hard. No, it won't. I, I truly think this. there will be some, like, great games in this series. Like, I necessarily don't think, like, if Grizzlies were to win a seven, it'd be a harder seven win than, like, a Toronto win. Yeah. I just feel like there's going to be tough games. I don't necessarily think it'd be a blowout field series, though. There's great matchups across the whole board. I mean, there's, there's great matchups from in the starting five. Uh, honestly, Cat, how well Cat does will really determine how well this Timberwolves team can play. So if he gets shut down like that against – like how he did against Shaw, I mean, who's to say that they, everyone else will step up every single time like that? Yeah. Like, like I, I, I can't trust him to do that. I, I think – I don't know. It'll be interesting because they do switch a lot, like a lot of teams. But mm-hmm. I'll be interested in seeing if Jaron Jackson Jr. gets the assignment or not just because Cat's so, much, Cat's so much perimeter-oriented and you want Jaron around the rim as much as possible. I'm also seeing something right now where the Jaron Jackson Jr. against the Wolves this season averaged four blocks a game. Like, Key is a man in this series. And my DPOY not getting his respect, bro. There you go. Uh, He'll definitely – I think he actually is going to prove it this series that he should have got more attention for it. I think he's going to hold his own. You know how big of a Cat fan I am. I think he's going to hold his own against Cat. Uh, would it be? Yeah, I think he will get the assignment. I mean, I or at least he'll have a good like he'll have a good share of having Cat. Just because I mean, Cat's going to operate too like up top. I mean, cause, I mean, obviously, because I mean, you know how he can with shooting, and I think Jaron can can contend with that. I wouldn't say like real easily because I mean it's just hard to stop someone that can shoot like that but 
it can happen. I mean, they proved it with the last game. I mean, it can happen. And if Cat, you know, uh, like barrels out like that, then forget it. Forget it. Timberwolves will be done. There's a lot. There's a lot of moving parts in this for the Timberwolves to have success, especially on relying on someone that's 20 years old first series to do what he's been doing all season. And like, I really don't. Like, I don't expect Anthony Edwards to ball out like that. And I really hope that in the case that he doesn't, he doesn't get public backlash. He's a 20-year-old player in his first playoff series. Oh, yeah. Not expecting great stuff. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't work like that. You get experience. Yeah, facts. Like I'm, I'm not worried too much about how he does, just because it's no. a playoff series. But Blake, how do you feel about this one? It's gonna be a great series. Um, I have the Grizzlies winning. Been fighting over how many games it will take. Um, after watching the Timberwolves in the play-in game, I can tell that they got some. They got some power. Um, I, they they sold me on that game. Yeah, uh, it all comes down to how um, how they play cat, and I think um, I think Jaron Jackson will be around the rim, but at the same time, I think that he will have some opportunities where he will be guarding cat around the perimeter. I'd rather see Jaron Jackson guard him than Stephen Adams around the perimeter. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But um, I have I have the Memphis Grizzlies winning it, and I believe six. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, just they have the Grizzlies this year have been great, top five in both offensive and defensive rating, and I just think it carries over to the playoffs. Yep, I mean I'm not going to argue that. Um, the 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 last two the last two series, I feel like there's a lot of questions around both. Yeah. Of them. So, you know, I'm not going to go as in depth about those as I have the other, mm-hmm. but. Warriors versus Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets won the regular season series three to one. No Draymond in any of those games. Um, I think like Steph was out for like two of those, maybe three. Clay was only there for like one or two of those. Uh, and all my notes right here just got Steph with a question mark. Like, what are we gonna get? I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. is he healthy? Is he not? You know. And I know the reports are, oh, things are looking good. Guys, when have things ever not looked good? Like I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, they would. Just, you just gotta wait. Put that out there. Yeah, you just yeah. gotta wait and see. Uh, the Nuggets do have the sixth best offense going up against the Warriors mm-hmm. with the second best defense. Um, the Nuggets are plus nineteen point five per one hundred possessions when Jokic is on the floor. So my big question is, do they have enough to just be okay in those minutes where he's off? Yeah, that, that's, like, the big question I was going to ask because, like, what I have in my notes, like, in quotes and in bold is who's going to step up outside of Jokic. Um, like, popular opinion would be, like, Aaron Gordon or someone, but it's just, like, it's tough. I mean, I, like, generally like, don't know who would step up. That's not to say, like, I don't think anyone could. I just don't know who could consistently be that person that steps up. It's it's way more securing if you can have someone be that too, that you know that if something, if like Jokic is out or something like that, then they, you know that you can rely on them. But to have someone different step up and do good stats, that's really worrisome for a team, no matter what the team is and who the person is. So that's like my big worry is like, who's going to step up outside of Jokic and Steph? I mean, there's just too many questions around this series. 
It really is. Yeah, I, I found myself asking more questions that I couldn't answer opposed to actually being uh-huh. able to like go through things. Um, I would like I would like to say I would I'm sorry I would like to see what Draymond would do with Jokic. I mean, arguably, I think they're going to be forced. I think they're going to be forced to double. I, yeah, I don't have think to. a world where he can just one on one guard him for the series. No, but it just would be. It's just going to be interesting. You have like arguably the smartest defensive player, regardless of like if he's the best. He his IQ is is up there. It's top. Yeah. And you have one of the smartest offensive players in the league, if not the smartest offensive player in the league. I mean, that's just something that we're blessed to see. I really want – I think they're going to be doubled. I honestly am going to think that there's going to be a game where, like, Bones – Bones Highland surprises people. I'm not saying the whole series, but one game, like I said, there's different people stepping up. That's going to be one that's my pick to step up in this. And I have Nuggets – I think I have Nuggets in six, actually. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I have Nuggets and six. Steve Kerr mentioned yeah. using lineups that we haven't seen, and to me that just says, hey, the Steph, Poole, Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond lineup is coming in this series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Clay also seemed to be starting to find a groove at the end. I've got Warriors and six. Blake, what do you think about this one? I think it goes to seven this series. Um, okay. It's going to be a tough one. Um, it all comes down to me how the – Nuggets can handle themselves on defense and also Steph's health. Um, I think I think it's going to be a, a one where we see it. Uh, Jokic is going to have himself a series, I believe. Uh, they're going to try a lot of different sets on him, but I don't see them being able to slow him down that much. So I'm thinking it's going to go to seven, and ultimately I think the Nuggets will be able to pull it out. I know they have been struggling this season as far as a supporting cast for Jokic. We still being able to put up numbers, and um, so I, I honestly think that it will be a honestly the best series in the first round. Um, Which wouldn't shock me. Yeah. So um, okay. Nuggets and seven. Gotcha. Uh, to go back on what I was about to say, my Nuggets six is in the event that Steph can't play or he's nowhere close. If he can play and he's fine, I have Warriors in like seven. Yeah. It's just – it really is about yeah, Steph. My, my biggest thing is if Steph is 100%, that's my Warriors and six pick. If Steph is mm-hmm. not in their struggles, I think Denver has a real good chance of upsetting them here. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like we've said, man, so many questions around that series, and there's so many questions about this next series as well because – the Mavs were my dark horse, bro. I was this close to picking the Mavs come out the West. I'll just go. <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah. I was – you guys know, but I was at the game where Luka Doncic just got hurt. He had 26 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, and it was four minutes left in the third quarter. He was doing his thing. But in this series, the Mavs and the Jazz, I got the Jazz in five. I don't think Luka is going to play or should play. It's a real deal calf strain. You need a month or a month and a half completely off. He might try to come in late in the series, but it's just not going to be Luka. They split the regular season series two to two. And I guess if you want to be optimistic at all, in those two losses, Donovan Mitchell was nine of 34 from the field. And it's because Dorian Smith was his primary assignment and he was really giving him problems. Just the length and the athleticism and the height. And I mean, but for me, I don't think there's a whole lot to break down. No Luka, Jazz in five. Uh, with mine, yeah, I have Jazz and six. Um, yeah, if there's no Luca, then I mean, there's not really much of a, a contest with this one. And I'm with you on my 
um, with my notes uh, for my two dark horses, I had I had the Mavs as one of my dark horses, just yeah. because I, I felt like they could surprise people with the healthy Luca, obviously, uh, and they and I feel like they really would have surprised people because people weren't the highest on them at all, even with like uh, the Dinway stuff, like it just wasn't that big. Uh, yeah, I don't. I see the Jazz pulling this out, and gosh. Gosh forbid, if the Jazz don't pull this off, that's oh, going to raise a lot of questions. Oh, yeah. Play mm-hmm. thoughts on this one? Uh, the Jazz are going to handle this series. Um, I'm really disappointed that he that he played in that last game, Luka. Um, I blame Kyle for Luka playing in that last game. <laughs> he complained enough to see him play. Uh, for y'all that don't know, Kyle went to that last – Mavs game and was upset that he got his tech in the game before. So Kyle is the reason that Luca got hurt. Anyway, I think the Jazz are going to handle the business here, um, and I'm going to say that's going to be. I think it's honestly going to be in four. Um, just because if Luca doesn't play, that is the majority of the Mavs. A lot of production doesn't get handled, so not many issues seen for the Jazz. Um, so going forward, let's just hope that Luka can get healthy. Yeah, for sure. That was what uh, I'd be really interested in talking about, but obviously Luka's injury. Angel, what were you going to say, man? I was going to say I was going to ask for y'all's opinion on this. I was going to say for the Jazz, don't say like they don't make it. But say like even if they make it past this series, but don't do anything in the set against the. Uh, like, don't even put up a fight against Phoenix. Like, is is that cause for panic? Blow it up. Would you? Blow it yeah, up. okay. All right. I, I, same thing. Okay, there we go. If they don't get out of the second round, this this makeup of the Jazz is over. Can't do anything, yeah. Okay. You've, you've okay. reached your ceiling yeah. at that point because you don't have a whole lot of flexibility in terms of improving the roster. Um. So that's, that's our picks for the first round. Uh, just want to real quickly talk into who we might have as a dark horse in each conference and who some of our favorites are. Uh, the the Mavs were going to be my overall dark horse. I was I, – I don't mean this in exaggeration. I was this close to picking the Mavs to come out the West. But sadly, that the Luka injury happened. So can't do that. So – I don't really see a dark horse anymore. Um, no. I feel like one of those top three seeds are going to win. Um, you know, I in the East, I've got the Raptors uh, as, as a potential – just because of path. Um, yeah. So, I have the Raptors. Um, uh, the thing for me is the vaccination stuff. Uh, you know, there's certain guys on, like, any team that may not be able to play in the series. And Nick Nurse is arguably the best coach in any series. And just the matchup problems with all the length and height they have in certain guys, certain athleticism. Uh, Angel, who are your dark – who is – who are um, your, you have any? I have literally the same – I had the same exact uh, dark horses because I had um, a Dallas – Western Conference Finals minimum with a healthy Luka and the Raptors. I 
I like the Raptors to be competitive and no matter who the team is that they play. They just have that team and that coach. Vaccination status is very crucial with this because some key players, regardless, might not be able to play in Toronto, and that's huge. Because, I mean, you're already going to need your best game when you're playing away in a playoff, in a playoff game. I mean, that should, there's no way around it. When you're going to someone else's court with their fans as hostile as they are, you have to play your best game. And when you have people like Matisse that can't play, that's huge. So, like, I could definitely see the Raptors making some sort of run, even against the Heat. But, yeah, Toronto is my for sure. Like, it was overall was going to be my for sure dark horse because they do, if they were to advance, it's not the worst path that they could have. Oh, Sixers uh, at three. Celtics at two and Bucks at one. Okay. Really? Mine, I got Nets at three just because I think they actually have a favorable matchup. Maybe not with Milwaukee, but like with anybody besides if they were playing the Celtics in the first round. I got the Celtics at two and then I've got the Bucks at one. Um, moving on to the West, uh, I've got Grizzlies. Or no, I have Warriors at three. Grizzlies at two, Suns at one. What about you guys? That that's literally the same exact thing. I just I have uh, in quotations if healthy Warriors at three, Grizzlies at two, Suns at one. If we take away the Warriors, I honestly would probably do the Nuggets because I mean I'll, I'm having the Grizzlies at two, so I'm assuming they're going to make it out. Yeah, yeah. I I really think with the West compared to the East, it's I think it's going to follow suit with the seed order. I mean, I, it's really hard, like you said, with the no dark horse. I mean, I think it's the top three teams in the West or the top three picks. Yeah. And then Blake – wait, yeah, Blake. I have Nugs and then Grizzlies and then the Suns. Okay. 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 Um, yeah, so interesting. And then uh, – Top three overall, I got the Suns at three, the Celtics at two, the Bucks at one. I've said it since December, ever since the vaccination thing and the James Harden injury, because Brooklyn was my preseason pick. I got the Bucks. I've it's been since December. I'm not going away from it. That's my title pick. I think that they are I think they have the best build. They give they can they have the most versatility. They can do a bunch of different things at a high level. That's that's who I got. I got the Bucks winning it all. For for mine, just because I had this, uh, I had my team in there in, in a lot of the in a lot of runs and a lot of thought about it. I have Heat, Suns, and Bucks. I have the Bucks winning. That's my pick to win. Uh, I have, I mean, Suns and Bucks for obvious reasons. I have. It was really hard between the Heat and the Celtics. I feel like it for me. It's a. It's just a. You can interchange either one of those. Um, yeah, with the Heat, though, I just think this is, like, the time to show that this is like what the team is built for, not the regular season, but this is a build for the playoffs. It's got finals experience regardless if it's bubble or not. They, I mean, Kyle Lowry has championship experience. I, I think it'll help them very well. That's why they're – and Suns and Bucks doesn't need an explanation. I feel like them two are going to run it back in the championship anyways. So, yeah, that's my theory. Agree with uh, Kyle on his picks. 
I just think Bucks are just Bucks are just too good this year. So yeah, I, it's going to be fun, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching these two playing games tonight, and then obviously watching all these series going forward. So it'll be fun. Uh, but with that being said, man, this is the end of the sixth episode of the Coast to Coast podcast. I uh, appreciate you guys if you listen to this one. This is a it's been a pretty long episode. There's just a lot to cover, really, just yeah. a lot. And um, you know, like if you listen to the whole thing, I really appreciate you, Angel. Appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for having long me. Time man. It was fine. We really should have had you on before this at this point, but glad you could come on. It's fine. Uh, I look forward to more episodes. Yeah, joining more episodes. Yeah, Angel will definitely be back. Um, but yeah, uh, end of episode six. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll see you guys next week.